We're on page 788 of the Church Bibles. And we're in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet. Chapter 29, verses 1 to 7. The key verse is, I think, verse 7. The people are in exile in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people. Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elshar, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives to your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number and also seek peace and prosperity for the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the word of the Lord. So the uh, second reading is taken from Acts chapter 16. We'll be reading verses 6 through to uh, through 15, which is pages 1,111 to 1,112 in your uh, church Bibles. Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatea, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. <clears throat> On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. 
you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of our Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning as we come to your word, you would speak to each one of us the words that you want us to hear. That these words might change our hearts and our minds, our souls and our destinies. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Well, we are in our year of mission. In case you hadn't noticed, we've got a big banner up there. We've got one over here. We've got a board at the back. We've given you lots of cards to take away. This is our year of mission. And we're moving on now into the term where we're doing some equipping. Equipping the church to go out and do this mission. Shalati, if we could have the uh, PowerPoint up. And this morning we're going to think about being. Being God's community and choosing and celebrating that community that we're in. We're moving on into this equipping, and this equipping is based on three principles. And the three principles are be, do, and tell. As we set out on this year of mission, this is what we're going to be using to help us to make our mission work, to bring out this knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. So we need to be the people that God wants us to be, be the people he made us, do the things that he gave us to do, and then take this message that he sends through us and tell people, tell people the message he sends through us. That's why our theme verse is, and we all know it now, don't we? Lord, help your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. So I'm still working on that and you, you, uh, you can too. This is what we're here to do in this year. Hoping that people will believe in Jesus. Seeing that life that comes only through him. This is the best bit of my job as a vicar. This job that I love. The thrill of seeing people transformed, of lives changed by Jesus. That's why it's so exciting when we do an Alpha course. And on Wednesday, we started our latest Alpha course, and we've got seven guests who are coming along, and they've all got different questions, and it's really exciting to be thinking that we're going to spend 10 weeks going through those questions and exploring who Jesus is and what he means in our lives. This is why we're here. This is what we're here to do to let Jesus loose in the lives of those around us, to see our community and our city transformed by his mercy and love and grace. This is what this year of mission's about. So as we start in this term of equipping, this is the plan that we have to be, do and tell, tell the message that he sends through us. That's how we're starting. Then we're going to move on and look at some of the questions that people might have as we go out and share the good news, as we look at some credible clues to a creator God. And then we'll be thinking about our stories and how we share them, and then his story, how to tell people about the gospel. And as we think about all of that, this is where we start, with being, with being God's people, with being who we're meant to be. 
And as we think about this, we're going to think about our identity, our calling, and our community. We need to be who God wants us to be, to do the things that we'll see his kingdom come. But we have to remember it all starts with God. Once we get God right, then everything else follows. God is, who is God? God is a generous God. God is a loving God. God is a God who invites people into his, into relationship with him, into his kingdom. And our outreach tasks for last term help to start us thinking about how we can be a blessing to those around us, how we can share some of God's love and bless our community. So we start with our identity. Our identity is where we begin. It starts in knowing Jesus. Then we can make Jesus known. We have to know Jesus and know who he is and all that he means to us. If we could have the next slide, Shalati. Thank you. So in, if we know that we are loved, then we have love for others. That's what John spoke about a couple of weeks ago. If we know God's love and it flows through us, then we have got that love to pass on to others. If we don't know that love, we haven't anything to pass on. You can only pass on what you already have. We need to be God's people. We need to know our true identity. And the thing is, we don't have to wait until we're perfect. If we waited till we were perfect, no one would ever do anything. We don't have to be perfect disciples. We just need to be willing and able to get out there and do the things that God wants us to do. If you look at the disciples in the New Testament, none of them were perfect, were they? They all abandoned Jesus in his most desperate hour of need. We don't even have to be brave because it's God's Holy Spirit. It's the Lord who will help his servants to speak his word with great boldness. All we have to be is sure that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are the people that he made us to be. We need to be sure of who we are. And we need to believe that and for that to make a difference in our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if what you believe makes no difference, then it makes no difference what you believe. If what you believe makes no difference, then it makes no difference what you believe. You could believe anything in the world. If it, it, you're not going to make any difference in the world unless you live out what you believe. You have to live out. We have to live out what we believe. We have to know who we are. And if we are... Jesus' followers, if we are Christians, then we need to expect that this is going to involve telling people about Jesus, about blessing people, about doing good things that serve our community, about telling them about Jesus. Because when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was talking about us. We need to be his light in this world. Our Millie, if we can have the next slide, Shalati, this is uh, our Millie, our eldest daughter, who's out in Limassol. And she's uh, helping to plant a church out there and to support herself. She's been doing some teaching as a English as a foreign language in a language school. And a few weeks ago, she rang up and we had one of our phone calls and she said, Dad, I'm still finding it really hard being a teacher. As much as I try, as hard as I try, it's really difficult to get all the lesson plans together and it's really hard to make sure they're paying attention and I try as hard as I can, but it's really difficult doing this teaching thing. 
and she's done her training and she's got some experience. And I said to her, I said to her, well, stop trying to be a teacher and be a teacher. You don't have to try and be a teacher anymore because you've got that training, you've got that experience. Just be a teacher. When you go into the classroom, you are the teacher. Be that teacher. And she said, oh, Dad, that really helped. That really helped. It wasn't amazing, awesome advice, was it? It was just what she needed to hear at that moment to help her to move on, to be a teacher. And it seems to me that sometimes, as I thought about that a bit more, we try and be Christians. We end up trying our hardest to be the people that God wants us to be. We think if only, if only I prayed a bit more, if only I read my Bible a bit more, if only I didn't get upset with that person in the queue in front of me in Waitrose, if only I didn't get angry when that guy pulls out in front of me as we're going down Marmion Road, if only I tried a bit harder, then I might be able to do the things that God wants me to do. But that's not how it works. You are saved and forgiven. You are saved and forgiven by what Jesus has done. And yes, there's still work to do and we still need to go on being saved and forgiven. But we are saved and forgiven. We are loved by God. We are that now already. This is the truth. This was the truth for Kevin as he got to the end of his life that he knew that held him and he could hold on to that he was saved and forgiven. But you don't have to wait to the end of your life to realize that. We can start living it now. So I say to you this morning, stop trying to be Christians and get on with living it. We need to get out there, don't we, and tell people about Jesus. Tell him how wonderful he is. Do things that surprise them and say, that's because Jesus is here amongst us. So I want you now to do something that might be a bit uncomfortable. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say to them, you are saved and forgiven. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are saved and forgiven. Perhaps when you look in the mirror in the morning, when you get up, Say that to yourself. You are saved and forgiven. You know, there's a story about Martin Luther. You know Martin Luther, who was a great uh, man who put the theses on the door of the church wherever and, um, and started the Reformation. There's a story that his desk, when they looked at his desk at the end of his life, when they came to check, check through his office, his desk had, I am baptised sort of scrawled into the desk, graffitied into the desk, like children do at school. I am baptised. He needed to know that fact. He needed to know that he was baptised in order for the, him to be the person that he was meant to be. And we need to know that we are saved and forgiven. When we look in the mirror in the morning, we need to know that we're saved and forgiven. If we know that, then we've got something to share with those around us, haven't we? Something to pass on. You know, for me, some of the grumpiness about this Brexit thing at the moment is because we're not sure who we are anymore. Are we in or are we out? Are we friends with the people on the continent or do we not like them? Are they our neighbours or are they going to be the people that we shun forevermore? We're just not sure who we are anymore and that's exhausting not knowing who you are. Trying to be somebody you're not exhausts you. But living in the truth of who you are makes life easy. That's what is so attractive about Jesus' life. 
He always knew exactly who he was. He was always secure in his father's love. And he got on with doing what his father wanted him to do because whoever came up against him, whatever he faced, whatever he had to fight through, he knew who he was. He was secure in his identity. So it starts with our identity, knowing who we are. And then our identity leads to our calling. Because we are called to be a blessing to our communities. We are blessed to be a blessing. Our identity leads to our calling. And so we should seek to bless the place where we find ourselves. Our first reading this morning came from the book of Jeremiah, which if you were looking for any book with a lot of laughs in the Bible, you wouldn't go to Jeremiah, okay? Jeremiah happens in a time when Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, the temple's going to be pulled down, everything is going wrong for the people of Jerusalem, for God's people. But in this book of awful things happening, Jeremiah writes this wonderful piece of advice to the people of God who've been dislocated, who've been torn out of the security of living in the land that God gave them. And this passage comes when they've been already taken off to Babylon. It's a letter sent to the exiles in Babylon. They're, a, they're in a place that they don't know. They're completely out of their comfort zone. They're spiritually desolate. And the natural tendency would be to get into a bunker mentality, to try and preserve their memories and their traditions. But Jeremiah advises exactly the opposite. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. He says, settle down, build and plant. Find new life in new relationships. Increase in number, do not decrease. Go on being who you're meant to be. Don't let the fact that you're in a different place stop you being who you're meant to be. You are there to bring light and life and love, not to give in to division and despair. God says, go out and make a difference. Plan for the long term. See where I'm at work and be part of what I'm doing. And so our calling, our calling, if we can have the next one, is not, as Mike said last week, to be a sensible sailing club who are safely pottering about in our little boats, in the nice safe harbour, having our little races and then going back to the comfy clubhouse for drinks and refreshments together. We're not meant to be safe and sheltered. That's not what we're here for. It might be attractive, but it's not. Our calling is to get out into the world, to go out, to be lifeboats, setting out to save, to seek and save what is lost, to allow Jesus into situations that are otherwise hopeless, to rescue and restore. You are saved and forgiven for a purpose. And that purpose is not just to come to church on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half, is it? God didn't send Jesus in the world just to make us, give us church. He came to give us the kingdom of God, to help us to change this world. So we are saved and forgiven for a purpose. There is no plan B. It's up to God's people to make his kingdom in his power, with his word to guide us. We are the ones who are called out from where we are into the world, into our community. 
So our community. In a way, our communities are already chosen for us. God says through Jeremiah, seek the peace and prosperity of the city where I have carried you. God's put them there and that's the place where they have to be who they're meant to be. We have all been put in places where we need to be who we're meant to be. God has placed us where we are for a purpose to deliver his message of hope to those we meet. Remember, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that's what Paul did when he went to Philippi in our second reading. It was a time when the mission of God was about to leave Asia and go for the first time into Europe. This is the first church that's set up in what is now Europe. Paul comes to Philippi and he doesn't go to the usual place, to the synagogue where he usually goes to start his mission. He goes out to the unexpected place. He goes out to find a community who are already praying, already worshipping, but they don't know Jesus. A community that he can connect with. He goes to a woman called Lydia, a woman who deals in expensive purple cloth. Purple cloth was expensive because purple was a very difficult dye to make. It comes from a sea snail. Purple dye comes from a sea snail called Murex brandiasis, brandius. And uh, it's found in the sea and the eastern Mediterranean around Tyre. And so this purple was called Tyrian purple. And it was so expensive that only rich people could have it. It was the color that emperors wore. And important people like bishops are only allowed to wear it in the church because it is expensive and precious and it says something about who wears it. So purple was very expensive and very precious. Lydia would have known very important people. She might even have known emperors and consuls. But she's introduced to somebody new, an unexpected Messiah and Saviour who is the Lord of all, who is the one who has come to save her, who has died for her sins and risen from the tomb. Paul goes out and finds a community and the first foothold of the church in Europe is established. From there, Paul goes on to free a slave girl from an evil spirit. He goes on to get put in prison and then the earthquake comes. Paul and Silas are singing in the middle of the night and the earthquake comes and then the jailer's family becomes a new family of faith. Paul goes and finds a community, connects with it and then builds the church. We have to recognize where God has put us. We need to see where we need to get involved. We need to get into our community as small groups, we need to think about where are our contacts, where are our connections. It might be a network, it might be a neighbourhood. Where is your calling from God to go and speak words of life, words of love, words of light? Some of this has already been happening with our blessing task last term. But now we need to move on, we need to see where God wants us to act. Uh, oh, if we go back, sorry, Salati. Our open church project is us seeing where there's a need, isn't it, and responding to it. That's what's happened with open church. We've seen the homeless people. We've recognised that there's somebody that we need to care for. And now, this week, the council came to us to ask us if we could help them a bit more to find solutions for their problems. 
And it gives us a foothold. It gives us a place where we can speak words of truth to those in power. Where we can say, look, this isn't good enough what you're doing. We need to make long-term provision for people who can't look after themselves. This isn't the place that we want to be at. We need to move on to a new place where there is more compassion and care and kindness in our city. And we look out for those who can't look out for themselves. So this first foothold that Paul established is a bit like our foothold here in our city. We need to be ready to step out now and move on into our city to make more happen, to see more change. We all need to be sure of God's love and that we're called to do his will. We all need to be sure that the next step that we can take is a step that we can make together. There's lots of things to invite people to in this term that's coming up. At the end of the term, we've got the Mark drama, which is the whole of Mark's gospel to bring people along to. From uh, the 22nd to the 24th of March, we've got a mission weekend when there are some students from Oak Hill coming down and home groups, small groups, life groups and connect groups can ask for those students to come and help them to gather people together, to hear their story, to share the good news. There'll be good things happening this term, but we need to see where our connections are. Who are we called to be with? Who are we called to be good news for? Because we need to spread some good news. That's what our city needs, isn't it? That's what people need at this time. People need to know Jesus, and that's what we're here to do, to choose and celebrate our community so that we can go out, so that we won't be just pottering around in the harbour, but setting sail. You know there's a saying that says, Ships in a harbour are safe, but that's not what ships were made for. We weren't made just to be safe in church. We were made to get out there to be lifeboats, to seek and to save, just as the Son of Man came to seek and save. That's our job now, because he said that we are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, and we need to get on with being that light. Amen.